right. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Late Late Capitalism Show. I'm Jesse. Next to me, we have... Uh, I'm Dean, folks, the COVID kid. I hate it. I hate <laughs> it so much. Uh, this is Chance, your third eye opening MC for the night. Uh, and I'm Megan, and I'm actually leading this one today. Crazy. Wow. Yes. Wow. That is Megan finally <laughs> leaning in uh, into our pod, finally pulling her weight. Well, you do produce every episode. I was going to say, she's <laughs> literally the only person so, that does any work on I'm this. so glad that you haven't shit on me for not doing it. <laughs> because I've literally done nothing and I haven't led a single one. I just kind of chime in and go, hey, <laughs> funny joke. For the people listening at home, like the objective ranking of who does the actual work on this show is Megan is number one. Dean is number two, Chance is number three, and then I do literally No, the you least. do a lot I of research. literally do the yeah, least. Yeah, but he would be doing this anyway. <laughs> yeah. This is just the brain. Like, the, we're, we're, like, this is, like, sort of community service on our part. We're letting this, like, you know, this generally crazed sort mm-hmm. of antisocial guy. Well, I wouldn't say antisocial. Well, like, not... I would not. say sociopathic. I, w- I wouldn't say pro-social. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I would say anti-social. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a spectrum. I, right? like, yeah. I mean, I like people. It's just I'm also insane. I, yeah, I feel like anti-social like is... Maybe in like, <laughs> it's exactly maybe like the Kinsey scale. <laughs> in the diagnostic sense, antisocial is correct, but I think in the practical sense. it's uh, yeah, okay. There's not quite a term that's been invented. I'm, I, I'm like that Tweety Bird Facebook meme where it's like, they call me crazy because they haven't invented a word to describe me yet. <laughs> Oh, I actually, I the love... The Tweety Bird holding a gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, why do I Call love the cops. That? I'll have I, sex I, with them, too. <laughs> I went on a rant yesterday to Frankie because I, we were talking about um, the Max Goof and then Lady Goofy. Mm. And it's yeah. like, damn, bitch, you live like this? Right. And I, I, that kills me every single it's time. So and I was like, I love this era of memes where it was just like SpongeBob smoking pot and being like, yeah, I got money and all this shit. I loved <laughs> yeah. it. I loved if it you, so folks, much. Folks, if you didn't notice, uh, this is an explicit podcast where we say explicit things. So... Uh, content you know, warning. Content warning. Sometimes to be that. one and member more than others. <laughs> <laughs> and specifically, before we get into the subject proper today, I do have some things I'd like to read. In the interest of fairness, as uh, listeners will know, if you heard last week's episode, I've gotten uh, deeply involved into the wild world of Conservapedia. Yeah, if you have a, a name for this little segment, because I think we're going to keep doing this. Yes. Let us know. Uh, th- we made an email for this podcast, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, what's that email? LLCSCFRC at gmail.com. Yeah. Exactly. So shoot us an email there. If you've uh, got name suggestions or if you follow any of us on our personal social media pages, please do not hesitate to reach out. Yeah. I uh, solicit many t- things in many ways, and I'm happy to uh, receive fan messages. We're always willing to take advantage of our fans uh, financially and for our own sexual gratification. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Uh, and as long as... Th- the only guidelines are it has to have the word Jesse, Little, and Corner in it. Sure. Yeah. We could also it just could also call just be called Jesse's Little Conservapedia. Corner. There's no copyright. We don't care no. about copyright laws at all. In fact, uh, mentioning that, our theme song is uh, Mega Guillotine by AJJ, which we've only said once before ever. Now, I think so. we should just put it in the description. Yeah, we probably should time. do that. Probably we should probably just get a hold of Sean Bonnet and be like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah dude, he's pretty open. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Down. Uh, here's the thing. I'm going to throw it out to you guys. Do you want to hear about Conservapedia first, or do you want to hear about uh, Liberal Counterpart, which is a book entitled Rodham, as uh, in Hillary Rodham Clinton. I, I, wa- I say I, I want a, a spoonful of sugar for the medicine, so conservative first. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. 
we are making our way through the uh, user-curated lists of greatest conservative movies of all time and the counterpart worst liberal movies of all time. So we're still on the greatest conservative movies. And I've been going alphabetically on what... There's more than this, but these are the prime ones that I've picked out so you don't have to endure everything. And today, we're into the Bs with Big, the Tom Hanks classic. Oh, that is a classic. Why are all of the conservative classics about pedophilia? Yeah, uh, we're going to... you know, Why? We'll broach that. Big about pedophilia? Big. Yeah, so man. Big is essentially about a child who makes a wish on a probably pretty racist in hindsight uh, genie to become Zordas. to become big and he gets turned into an adult but he has the mind of a child. So which, 13 going on 30 but worse. But, but original. But Actually it's not it's not terrible. Like as a movie, it's fine. It's yeah, fine. but thirteen going on thirty is the perfect. Movie. Yeah, and it yeah. definitely has way less uh, creepy stuff in it. So here's the review uh, submitted by. Remember, these are all verified users. Which, as a side note, I am on a quest for verification. I will become Conservapedia's greatest uh, editorial. Did you get into the QAnon Facebook page? Yes, once I did. Or no, I'm still in it. Oh, okay. I cool. will never leave. Uh, so big. Twelve-year-old Josh Baskin makes a wish on the Zoltar machine to become big. To his discovery. His wish is granted. After being thrown out of the house by his mother, who believes he is a kidnapper, he must take in life as an adult. The film teaches the value of childlike wonder in capitals. Makes me uncomfortable. Uh, as well as individualism. <laughs> like childlike wonder is all in capitals? Yes. Cool. Uh, as Josh, who is very different than the other workers, is more efficient and brings new ideas at the toy company, being more creative and playful than the other workers. In the end, Josh realizes he misses his family and returns home. So a little pro-family message in there as well. Yeah, so what they, are the biggest okay, proponent of the nuclear family. Yes, they out. do neglect to mention that uh, a big part of this movie is the adult uh, Tom Hanks, so the boy who has become a man, like flirting and seducing and then having sex with like a 30 year old woman. Are you, yeah, they have that sex? Happens. Yes. How old yeah. is he supposed to be as a kid? He's 12. Oh my god! So, yeah. But he has the body, body of an adult, but he literally has the mind of a twelve-year-old. Yeah. Ew! Oh yeah, my god! It's really horrible, and it's like, it's like, oh, haha! Kind of played for laughs, but like, I don't think he enjoyed it. He proposes to her with like a, a ring pop. Yeah. If I recall. It's horrible. Oh yeah. my god! So yeah, there is a common thread throughout a lot of these conservative movies that have been submitted so far, which is like children being involved in intimate situations with adults. Yeah. Which is deeply but disconcerting. Well, well, while maintaining family values. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was going to say, it's it's weird that that's the takeaway is like, yeah, they really care about family. Like, that's what they're trying to push as if their, um, their opposition is just like, fuck families. Yeah. And yeah. Like, I guess yeah. that is the rhetoric Anti-family. that they use. Anti-family. But it's just, yeah, it's, it's fascinating to me that they think that people are walking around like, family suck, bro. Yeah. I mean, I am wearing that t-shirt right yeah, now. Well, I, yeah, I can't stand crotch spawn. Uh, like the little uh, we're a child free podcast yeah we're 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 a hashtag child free that's right podcast wait Uh, if you are a child you definitely shouldn't be listening (laughs) to this so I don't feel bad saying it don't DM me (laughs) this this might be too on point but like if you don't want children does that mean you hate families is that what yes yeah like if you're a part of the child free community specifically if you just what the don't fuck is the child free community child free are young and adults so young adults and just full grown adults that like hate children and a lot of them call them crotch spawn it's a subreddit where I call, I call them um, like 
uh, spawn. You know, we, <laughs> we should do an episode on child yeah, food one day. Yeah, another one for the, it for is the bucket list. deeply upsetting subreddit. So harsh, like I totally get the mindset of not wanting children. Sure. That's a very valid decision. Yeah. But the people that actively go out of their way to like be mean to a kid, that sucks. It's a kid. Like they're gonna be so upset if you say anything bad to them. Speaking but of it kid, is fun. <laughs> I have two more entries. We're going. We're moving into the C category now. Yes. So another greatest conservative movie of all time is Catch That Kid. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So here's the plot summary and the justification. Three teenagers try to rob a bank, not for greed, but to get money needed for one of their father's surgeries to save his life. In the end. The other with Christian Stewart. No. Uh, no, this is like 2004, I want to say. They had go-karts. I remember Yeah, the I remember this movie. Uh, so the, the differentiation between, like, but they're not greedy, as if other people that rob banks, like, really just want to sit on a pile of well, money. Like, just you wait till you hear the lesson they learned. Okay. So they... Uh, in the end, they realize that even though their intentions were good, what they did was wrong. They then end up getting the money through donations and generosity rather than theft, thus giving the movie an anti-socialist aspect and oh, anti-universal health care aspects as they realized it was wrong to take other people's money to pay for their own health care. Wait, I thought that oh they, they get into the <laughs> bank, do they not? Because it's like one of their moms is the bank owner yeah. person and they made the code like her birthday and she's like, my mom does love me. And then they, they get the money but then the mom convinces the bank that they were just like she hired them to expose <laughs> security, security threats in right. the bank they were she was like no this is totally my idea here's all of the money back and then yeah everyone comes to the dad's bedside and gives like envelopes of cash or something I, it's a lot i do mind. love that a movie about children literally having to violate like federal laws to save their father ultimately has an anti-universal health care message yeah, yeah it's like yeah. none of this would be necessary if you just had to go just fund me it what are you talking about? Isn't fun anymore no <laughs> that, this, this one, just makes me intense this one's angry. a bit lighter because this one is one of the stupidest justifications so the last movie we'll be covering today on the c list is chinatown the 1974 what? classic yeah i know Uh, So, this thriller highlights the deceit surrounding water rights in Southern California and L.A.'s water system, removing most of the water from the Central Valley. It doesn't adhere to political correctness because the main protagonist is told a dirty joke at one point and later uses it to his fellow private detectives, and it involves the term Chinaman. That's the justification. <laughs> Wait, so it's chill because they call someone a Chinaman. Essentially, like, yeah, the justification for but why Chinatown... Like fighting for water rights? It's a lot. There's a lot to unpack with yeah. Chinatown. We actually yeah. should watch it sometime. We should watch Chinatown. It's very good. It's uh, just Chinatown, baby. Another That's movie with an, inc- with an incest the uh, the movie. subplot to it as well. So there's a lot of family values. Sorry, I missed that. Did you say incest? Yes, that's correct. Ah, okay. Uh, Also, the justification is that it's racist, so that's why it's a conservative (laughs) movie, which is wonderful. Stepro, what are you doing with that water? (laughs) (laughs) Oni-san. Oni-san. Just a little Jack Nicholson yeah. anime. Uh, okay. Here's all. So are we talking about Rodham now? <laughs> yes. So Rodham is essentially an erotic novel about Hillary and Bill Clinton. Please. Oh, my God. Please. And I have two excerpts I would like to please, read for you today. Please do this. Sorry, this me. is like fan when, made? when did this come out? Uh, well, considering it's about the 2016 election and I saw the article is filed today, I'm going to say it is either in the process of coming out or it has recently come out. Wait, this isn't just like a fanfic? Uh, no, no, no. This is a fully, it's 200 pages. It's described as Pantsuit Nation Erotica. 
No, Wait, but so, no. But like no. some random like erotica writer wrote uh, it, right? This is not some official DNC thing that happens I mean, to also be weirdly erotic. It is written out. It is by Curtis Stittenfield. It is his seventh novel, which casts the, and this is the copy, former Secretary of State as the leading lady. And uh, okay. I've got a couple excerpts I would like to read for you. Sounds good. Written by the man himself. Uh, so here is one of the first ones. Your outsides are attractive all by themselves. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this during the women's movement. <laughs> but you have, You're outside? You have great tits and your little waist and your nice soft bun and your delicious honey pot. Okay, this is. I, jo- I joined novel. Bill in bed, and when I was lying on my back naked and he was lying on top of me naked, he looked at me and smiled. He said. Hillary, I really enjoy discussing theology with you. I also enjoy doing lots of other things with you. And then he plunged inside me. Oh, my God. And uh, okay. if that's not enough for you, we've got a little bit of uh, taking it on the road. road? We Sorry, were on the highway. Which reported on this book? Uh, this one I'm specifically reading is from Jezebel, which is not a great site. But Weird. Okay, continue. We were on the highway, not close to other cars or trucks, and I reached up to my hips and hooked my thumbs into the waistband of my underwear and pulled them to my ankles above my sandals without taking them off. Please don't get pulled over, I said. And after that, I couldn't really speak. I was writhing against his fingers. Oh, stop. I lasted about two minutes, and then I was saying as quietly as I could, Oh, baby, Bill, baby, I love you so much. He stopped moving his fingers and he cupped me and I whimpered incoherently. He was alternating between watching the road and turning his head to me, smiling, and he said, I love you so much. I really do. And also, he lifted his hand off me and gestured towards his own lap, where clearly he had an erection. So that's Rodham. Uh, Bill looks at Rodham. This is a book I will be buying. Bill looks at her and says, man, that stank so good. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyways, oh my God. that is uh, what I had to contribute today. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed Rodham, a book that I will be reporting back on uh, and reading in great detail, I think. I really, like, I feel like we as a people uh, sort of overemphasize and overuse the, the idea of psychic damage, <laughs> the idea that, like, reading things can hurt you. I am worse i i am more like you before we started recording you said that you had something that would make my already bad day worse yeah and you managed yeah. I, I thought i was going to enjoy this just imagine the ebook that i assume her and bill are going to be providing the voices for <laughs> <laughs> oh my yeah, god yeah that's hilarious can bill even talk anymore yeah. he kind of looks like a puppy. no bill is well, still remarkably helped. coherent he just helped write considered. a book yeah, that well, line the president is missing. Uh, the author of which, James Patterson, is a contributing writer to Epstein, Filthy Rich. Yeah, he was Why on... Why would they um, call a book that? Because it's about Jeffrey Epstein and how he's filthy and rich. Okay. Bill Clinton's like, my good friend, <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> I hope they have, like, I hope they get Foley for it, like the actual accurate sound effects of the gun going off in Vince Foster's head <laughs> and then being thrown 15 feet away despite the fact that he allegedly shot himself in the back of the head as suicide. Yeah. I, I'm going to do the Foley for that. If you're listening, Hillary, and I know you are because we have a pod beef going on, uh, please recruit me. I will do the full sound effects. I'm really excited for the scene in Rodnam where Bill and Hillary have sex on top of the, the bodies that they have in their body count. <laughs> I can't wait for the description of the first time they tried to drain a chrome together. Hey, you know it's, what? it's a real version of body count. Get it? <laughs> 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 yeah, hey now. <laughs> it's, uh, 
You know, it really adds new definition to the term lock her up, right? <laughs> you know. Oh, my God. She was locked. She, yeah. she was incoherent and simpering, according to that stop. answer. Stop. We need to stop talking Just about this. Just thinking about Hillary reaching climax during stop. Benghazi. <laughs> so uncomfortable. So, so good for me. She's like, oh my yeah. God. y'all hear about Benghazi? <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Great to stay. So, what are we talking about today? Okay, so today we're talking about Benghazi. (laughs) (laughs) The Benghazi episode. (laughs) So, I don't know if everyone's been following the news lately, uh, vis-a-vis what you're allowed to do and not do in Ontario, but Canada as a whole too, um, with COVID. One of the things that's caused a lot of fuss for a lot of people, especially Ontarians, has been that you're not supposed to go to your cottage, Uh, and obviously totally unfair that sucks and we're talking about cottagers rights today cottagers rights uh uh definitely the most important the least represented minority yeah this is true it is the most important issue they they do make good cheese though that's true (laughs) (laughs) i'm a big fan of their cheese yeah they do make a good cheese you gotta give them that uh i do love their industries as well they're yeah, oh, that was industry. that was really funny. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, the uh, cheese is good, right? Yeah, the cheese, <laughs> the cheese is good, though. We're doing a thing where we just Chance and I we, we lock eyes and we agree to just shut down whatever joke Dean has, even if it's funny. <laughs> just so we we're essentially trying to break him live over the course of the next couple months of podcasts. I want yeah. to, I want Dean to be like Jamie on the Joe Rogan Experience. <laughs> We like Jamie, pull it up, and then you pull it up, and I'll be like, "That's the wrong fucking thing." Yeah, we just berate him. Yeah, <laughs> we make our co-host into an intern. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. okay, all right, I'm gonna do it. Well, what what did the cottagers have to say about? Uh, yeah, so to the kick, pandemic to kick this off, there's been a lot of cottagers. The main theme I've been seeing as I've been reading these things amongst the people that are angry, there's lots of cottagers that are just kind of like running up to their cottage and not saying anything and not giving long tirades to reporters about how their rights are being suppressed like and Doug stuff. Like Doug Ford. Uh, yeah, like Doug Ford. <laughs> cool. Uh, but the ones who are really angry are doing a lot of threatening to take back their tax dollars. They're basically <laughs> like, we make up the entire tax base of these towns, and if we're not allowed to use our property, like, I want all of my taxes back from last year, et cetera, et cetera. The worst I've found for this has been uh, the people that live in Ottawa are being actual gremlins basically their problem is that their cottages are in gatineau so that's across a province which have shut down like you can't super easily drive between provinces right now Hmm. and so the ones like all the rich torontonians that go up to like the muskokas and the korthas and everything are like just going essentially but the ottawa people are having to wait in these like really long lines and there's police checkpoints along the way and uh i have some good quotes what you got in that basket pulled over by (laughs) quebec police folks you do actually hate yeah yeah it is quebec police one man was arguing actually i saw two different articles about this about how it suppresses your rights on the charter of rights and freedoms because there's this one called mobility rights and there was this guy the funniest one i found so far is from a magazine called policy magazine i don't know if you guys have heard of it but it's just like an ottawa based like political magazine run by this very boring right-wing guy uh and so he's the editor and he did his like one editorial for this month which was about how angry he was i want to read some quotes from it so uh he calls all of canada cottage country to start with he's like this is our national identity and if you're suppressing my right to go to the cottage that's like not canada anymore so quote ontario premier Premier Doug Ford drove up from his Metro Toronto home on Easter Sunday to check out leaky pipes at his place in Muskoka and was back in the city by lunchtime. The Queen's Park Press Corps called him out on it the next 
at his next daily briefing, but all he had to do was mention cottage plumbing and everyone understood where he was coming from, which, like, okay. <laughs> Hashtag just cottage things. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. In the Gatineau, they relented at the weekend, uh, telling outside cottagers it was okay to come, provided they brought their own groceries and promised not to socialize with anyone. So the citizens of Gatineau actually, like, said, okay, if you guys are going to be, like, super upset about it, you can come, but, like, don't go to any stores or anything. Totally valid request. This guy said, for us, that would mean no stopping at JB McClellan and Sons in Baltimore, oh, our cottage grocery and hardware headquarters all all the years. And it's like This um, makes me want to do parody, parody with that. <laughs> Quebec also has like the worst outbreak of COVID yeah. in Canada. Like yeah. you know what? No, I'll let these people go and fucking rub their faces no, at JB like, McCultry's pedophile shop or but whatever. But if you're looking at the stats <laughs> from Ottawa and Gano, Ottawa is pretty bad. Like Gano yeah. honestly doesn't have that many cases. Their population is pretty small. No, it's more Montreal. But Ottawa has like thousands of cases over like i think it's like 1800 or something and then so obviously the people who live in gatineau aren't going to be super comfortable with that and yeah he after saying the stats about how high um ottawa's rates were he called the quebec police more annoying than usual along the border crossing (laughs) and he said it's been quite pointless arguing with the quebec cops about your constitutional rights they're operating under emergency conditions answer answerable only to the quebec government which signed their paychecks quebec announced on friday it was letting up on the bridge Overs, but only after the long weekend and then he details Smart. he he goes in detail um about what mobility rights are in the charter it's like a sort of five paragraph thing uh and then he was like you're so lucky if your cottage is in the same province as you are and then you can just go you have like no issues at all and then finished with that trudeau should be pressuring the premiers to allow people to go to their cottage right <laughs> that's top of his list right now actually yeah. i cannot wait until this movement starts like appealing to the MAGA movement yeah where it's, like there there's very much some common ground in the liberate movement instead of like liberate ontario it's liberate muskoka or liberate gatineau and i i i am so psyched for when we finally get that like north south synergy and we have you know all these like rich freaks standing outside of like police stations with like picnic baskets and stuff that's gonna be yeah, oh, it's so perfect. It's it's fascinating how they get into like the human rights violation stuff so quickly, right? Yeah. I'm personally at the point where I don't think anyone who owns a cottage should have any rights at all. <laughs> mm. Oh. Oh, but what if it's like uh I don't know, what if it's like a cheap ass cottage? Like not everyone who owns a cottage is yeah. like That is true. I was going to say like I I remember my partner, she was like oh, we're going to go to a cottage, but it, it, it's nothing fancy. And I was like, I don't care. The only cottage I've ever been to has been, like, a shack. And and then we go, and I was like, yeah, you're you're right. Like, this is, like, an old-ass place. Like, your parents bought it for $1 from your grandparents who bought the <laughs> land for $10. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? But at the same time, I feel like people who have that feeling of, like, a cottage is just a place and not my personality tend not to get upset about these things. Yeah. Because I heard... We can't go. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, we do have to go and just make sure that none of the trees knocked out all the windows. So we literally just showed up and then drove away. Yeah. We were like, there's no, there's no trees on the house. And I, I wanna Time to leave now. And we're not even that far away from where the cottage was. Yeah, and I want to say, like, I'm not going to do this whole episode being like, there's no hope if you have a cottage. Like, disclaimer, my family has a cottage. So, like, I'm canceling myself. But... Uh, there's I have some examples at the end of like how some positive things can come out of like cottager mm. and local like relationships but there is some funny things in a lot of ways like this is sort of the oldest story ever told you know it's uh, like an upper class 
that like routinely exploits, you know, a a lower, in this case, like a lower class that is also rural, you know, sort of co-opting their, you know, their trappings and their aesthetic and, you know, their way of life as recreation. Oh, yeah. Um, Mm. Cottagecore is the death of us. Yeah. Where it's like people that have enough money to gain this aesthetic of looking as if they don't have much money. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Like that's that's a that's and, a, that's and a when big that, thing, right? And when that identity is not stripped from them, not just like, hey, the people who actually like rely on this area, who l- actually live here full time, uh, need you to respect it. Just you know, a modicum of an amount for like a few months. <laughs> as, as soon as it's that, like, oh, I'm sorry, I thought this was Canada. Uh, I thought, you know, you're infringing on my right to, like, rub my dick in balls uh, all over the Tim Hortons drive through window uh, in, uh, what's it, Cottage Town, Bob Cajun. Oh. Well, yeah, like, you you better not take that right away from That's me. That's what so the I'm song gonna is get, about. I'm going to get... Bob Cajun... Rub my balls on the damn horns wall. That night in Toronto. (laughs) (laughs) That's the whole thing. Their voices did sing out with an Aryan twang, that's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, these I I feel like a lot of these cottage country motherfuckers have definitely got an Aryan twang to them. If not Aryan beliefs. (laughs) But yeah, I think it's uh I think it's one of those things I was talking about this the other day. You know how you run into someone who's like huge Harry Potter head? Mm. And like and like you know, most of the time, normal conversation, but sometimes you're like, we can't talk about this subject because it's too much engrossed in who you think you are. Mm. Mm. Um, I think I just want to tell all these people. Hufflepuff saying this. (laughs) I just want to say to all these people who are freaking out about, like, their human rights being violated because they can't go to their second home, (laughs) um, you know, your cottage is not a personality trait. Yeah. And so I just wanted to, so I have some stats about, like, what, a basic cottager is essentially so a lot of people in Canada if they like especially homeowners like a lot of people have cottages so it's not all like one amalgamation of everyone is super rich however almost everyone that owns a cottage is white pretty much and Muskoka did uh, some like stat the reason I have this these statistics is that Muskoka Township like did a demographics thing on their uh, seasonal visitors versus their full-time visitors which is like not common to do usually you just don't have stats on like cottagers in a town Um, so the seasonal population profile for Muskoka which to be fair is like the richest cottage area in Canada uh, 56% of the people that own second homes in uh, Muskoka make over $100,000 a year Uh, the average owner age is like 56 Uh, they usually are a three 3.7 person family so like uh, two parents two kids essentially uh and they are actually make up one third more than the local population so like the local population they like are that much that many people and then a third again so they like make up a huge proportion of the people that live in these small towns like cottage population sometimes like quadruple the size of the people that actually live there so you know where that 0.7 percent comes from it's the body parts they bring along with them for sustenance. Yeah, they, uh, <laughs> that's the pineal glands, uh, yeah. the uh, the you, blood packets they need to sustain themselves. I was say, if I can't, if if you can't get to a grocery store for two weeks, you're gonna have to have a lot of baby parts. <laughs> <in that bag>. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas the people that live full time in Muskoka have an average household income of fifty three thousand and personal income of twenty five thousand, um, and they have fewer degrees and more trade certificates. 
uh, than the cottagers. And <laughs> the reason why a lot of these small towns are asking people to stay away is obviously like not just COVID spreading through like grocery stores and things like that, but it's because if you get sick at your cottage, they don't have the infrastructure to treat you in these mm-hmm. small towns. So just a personal example, my friend was briefly a nurse on Manitoulin Island and like Manitoulin Island has like two hospitals and one of them had 15 beds total for like everything and the other one had like 13 beds total and they have one isolation room on the entire island and then so I was reading about this little township called Lion's Head and they have two beds in their hospital literally just two <laughs> yeah so it's not like, a hospital <laughs> it, yeah so they're they're not designed to take all the cottagers essentially like unless like sure you break your arm or something during the summer like they can patch it up but they don't have the capacity for people that need to stay in the hospital they're not gonna have like ventilators or anything so yeah yeah. it's also not meant for like uh, an outbreak of any sort Mm -hmm. like it's it's meant to like you said like help one person at a time or a couple people at a time but not to house you know uh, a significant amount of the community Mm -hmm. for as long as they need to be housed yeah like i just talking about like you know cottagers in general but also like you know folks like the like i'm not wearing a mask folks uh that like oh we need to reopen now folks because they're all yeah karen's generally they're all in the same wheelhouse uh they all just want their lives to go back to normal uh and to have like every single convenience that has been afforded to them for their entire lives to remain is this like from i know like i've seen a lot of people talking online about how this is just like the sort of uh the boomer idea that they cannot be killed that they are god yeah they're immortal uh they are immortal and nothing bad can ever happen to them god is dead like they just like they literally cannot conceive of anything bad ever happening to them because nothing ever has uh or is it like a death drive thing i don't know i think it's hard to unpack Personally, it is more so the former as opposed to the latter because these people have spent their entire lives being told, like, you can do this. Like, it's coached into them as a capitalist system. Like, if you work hard, like, nothing can stop you. You will make your way to the top. And they're like, oh, well, I've made my way to the top. Most of them didn't work hard to get there. A lot of the wealth that you have is always inherited. But for them, they're like, oh, I'm at the top. Like, I did it. I cannot be stopped no matter what. Like, it is burned in their brain. I'm sure there are death drive sickos, but I think that's more of, like, the rich rich as opposed to, like, the petty bourgeois who are, like, the six-figure types as opposed to the seven-figure types. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know, though, because you're making me think, and I'm like, I don't even think it's a priority on the list, like, health and safety. Like, I genuinely don't think it comes up in the radar. And I, I wonder if that's, like you know, a differentiation we should make and, like, try to understand more because it's like, why don't you care about the health and safety of the people in your communities? Like, why are your priorities so kind of skewed? And, like, I don't think it's even a selfishness thing. I think it's just a lack of awareness of, like, your impact on the people around you. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's... Well, I guess that is... uh, It's like a selfishness through ignorance in the sense of, like, your current impact on anyone's well-being in your current vicinity i wouldn't say through ignorance i would say it's selfishness selfishness through identity because thinking about your impact on the wider community that's cuck shit yeah that's liberal shit i don't think karens are sitting around being like yeah fuck that cuck shit no like they are they're like no no, these are my rights these are my freedoms i'm not ceding a fucking inch to anyone i think a lot of people with cottages that like really want to go up to that just think that 
like if they just get in their car and drive and go to the cottage there's no way they can have any harm like cause any harm and if they want to do it they're like well i want to do it and i can't see this like going badly at all like uh, everyone thinks that the the thought of like you getting there and then realizing you're sick no one thinks that's going to happen to them you know right right i think that's uh like the reasonable nature of it all is is kind of what throws me off because i'm like some people are just reasonable like I would like to think that it was reasonable of me and my partner to go to the cottage, which is about 40 minutes away from where we currently live, mm-hmm. to check to see if there's, like, you know, roof damage and then assess it from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we weren't, like, going inside the place and, like, we made sure, like, we were wearing masks and stuff and we had hand sanitizer. And, like, I would like to think that there's more reasonable people out there, but that's the problem with a lot of these efforts from people being like, you're infringing on my human rights. Mm. I can't go to the park. And it's like, you know, it's not the reasonable people that the government is currently concerned about. Yeah. Mm. It's the people that are going to abuse whatever comes out of this. Yeah, like the guy in the article saying, like, you want me to not go to the grocery store? Like, Yeah. yeah. It's like, why don't you just be reasonable for a yeah. second <laughs> and think, maybe I shouldn't go into the smaller town's and vicinity and maybe I shouldn't well, make yeah. contact with these people. There is no communal bond anymore because the cultures and societies that had communal bonds if they were either in canada or they joined canada that is like beaten out of you right we live in an individualistic capitalist society where all that matters is you and maybe maybe the people that are in your purview aka your sons and daughters everything else does not mean a fucking thing like how many times people are like I kill for my fucking family. It's like, Jesus Christ, man. Mm, like, you yeah. don't have to. We that's don't live boring. in that fucking society, Everyone idiot. would do that, yeah. moron. I'd kill for my mailman. That's fucking bad. Yeah, there is no communal <laughs> You should sense. read Siege sometime. You've got to <laughs> kill the mailman. <laughs> yeah, like, and I, I think, like, just building on what Jesse said, sorry, uh, I think that's exasperated by cottage culture. Mm. Because, like, not only, like, you know, like, we're all very atomized and in- individualized, uh, and separated by our communities. And not only that, like when, like, you know, you live in the city, then you go up to the cottage. Not only are you, like, separated from your community, you're going to a separate, different community. It's so also you give even less of a shit about these people around you. And you feel that sense of entitlement. It's your yeah. cottage. Yeah. yeah. You have your kingdom where you reign, and being told that you can't go to your kingdom and, you know, do whatever it is sickos do at cottages. Like, yeah, that's jarring to that's them. That's, I think, a big part of the mentality. Like, and... And even you've brought it up and, and Chance, you're like totally valid for going and checking on the cottage. But a lot of the like things that people have been saying about why they have to go is being like, I have to see if it's broken into, which is totally fair. But then these townships have been offering check-ins to people's cottages right, yeah. saying like, yeah, if you need your cottage check-in, we'll like go. we can do that for you. <laughs> we'll go and look. And they got no responses because the people like... I I feel like it's more of a like, I just need to go and see if like my place, like my home, which... I understand as a mindset, but it, so I feel like just saying like but it, it a lot still of these comes people, from a selfish place. Yeah, yeah that sounds yeah, more yeah, like exactly. a justification. I think, yeah. I, I think it's uh, like if we want to get really into like the idea of like it being a very like capitalist idea necessarily, uh, like the the private property ideal and weighing that above the well being of people right like this is my private property and that means more to me than the fact that people could die yep Mm. right i think that's like a really disgusting 
process that kind of goes through these people's minds where it's like, you're infringing on my human rights. Yeah, because we don't want people to die. But what about my private property? <laughs> what do you mean, what about your private property mm. right now? Like, people will fall. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think, um, I don't think people, I don't know. In my head, I like to imagine that people don't actively weigh those two things and are rather just ignorant to the fact that that is what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Like, I like to imagine that they're not sitting around the coffee table being like, you know, if people die, whatever, like, I I really want to go to the cottage. Like, I don't think people are having that conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the problem is, is that that's not even coming into, like, the mindset. Like, they know it's a thing, Mm -hmm. but I don't think they're realizing that they're choosing one or the other. Especially because... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that the, the... harsh rules of like you can't go have been slowly like letting up over the past week especially Mm -hmm. after ford went he basically couldn't say like don't go because he went and then also a big thing is that like the economies of these small towns are a hundred percent reliant on cottagers so then the thought of them not coming at all is also stressful so like obviously it's more important the health aspect in like the short term but these like different companies and things in cottage town have been saying like okay come maybe like spend some money but like bring most of your money so it's become this really slippery slope and no one knows what like the defined rules are around it anymore so then because there's that wiggle room i think a lot of people are going okay it's fine like i'll just go up but like i'll bring my own groceries i'll be as safe as possible they said maybe i could come and like they need my money anyway you know so it's like it's become this weird sort of like gray zone of like use your best judgment but what does that really mean in a pandemic yeah. you know i think I, that, know. I think that's the problem like i was going on about reasonability right it's like you know you want to open up a basketball court in your community because you're like i want to play b-ball with my lady and like we've been quarantining together so like what the fuck is the problem there but you know as soon as that basketball court opens up there's a group of 30 people that have yeah. been waiting mm. right and they're willing to show up and they haven't thought for two seconds about it mm-hmm. about like have we been like quarantining together have we been seeing other people like should we make sure that everything's okay and they're like now nah, i'm playing b-ball now look at that they open up the court for mm. the record you would absolutely destroy your lady in basketball it would not be close <laughs> chancellor has, he just wanted to have fun he has like a young charles barkley build <laughs> where he's he's all about the rebounding and fundamentals but if like he got the ball in the low post like i love frankie but she's getting absolutely feasted upon i lost my last girlfriend because i crossed her too much, <laughs> you know what i mean her, her legs like literally snapped <laughs> yeah you know? yeah she has was, the, she's sliming around now it was like yeah. it was like the scene in jack and jill where the ponies horses the, the ponies legs break wow i love that scene in <laughs> you jack have jill. you've seen jack and jill that shouldn't surprise me you've seen every schlocky movie that's ever been made except for exorcist 3 which i have seen yeah that's very and true. if you want that's me to true. talk about the exorcist 3 on the podcast send an email to llcs cfrc <laughs> at gmail.com uh, Exorcism is greed incarnate, and therefore it fits. Yeah, well, it's just a good movie. Okay, <laughs> it's got George C. Scott in it, who this is, is insane. all getting cut. No, <laughs> that's a, that's a plug. I'm you so know what? Good I at bet this. you The Exorcist had a cottage. Yeah, uh, I. Building on to an original point, uh, a few minutes ago, Chance, you mentioned that yeah, a lot of these people aren't weighing the actual conscious concerns of what. You know, returning to their cottage or quote-unquote normal life uh, actually means. Yeah, I think that's accurate. These people, they really aren't being malicious. The malice only comes from people that are, like, in charge of, you know, either businesses or large companies where they're actively saying, yes, we can sacrifice, you know, a 
two thousand people from our workforce. Yeah, yeah, where where they see it as literally um, like cut losses. Exactly. You know, like Amazon and stuff like that. Yeah. Where they're like, oh, you're sick, but like we gotta do this thing. You know, it's different between that and someone being like, damn, I need to get my haircut, and just not necessarily thinking about it, and not being like, if I get my haircut, I'm in contact with ten people. Those ten people are in contact with the X amount of people. Exactly. That's why this is an exponential thing. Like, I don't think they're doing that. No. I think it's more just like. Why can't I have this thing? Come on. It's like talking to a kid. Yeah, of I course. I just go, boom, epiphany. It's like talking to a child and being like, no, kid, you can't have a Big Mac. Yeah. Like, you're you're a baby. And then the baby's like, but I want it. And you're like, you shouldn't have it, though. Like, you don't need this. And then they're like, yeah, but I want it. And then you can explain it to them as much as you want, but their mind is yeah, set. Yeah, I, I read uh, an interesting uh, article about this and about uh, specifically, like, specifically talking about, like, the American, like, uh, move to reopen. Uh, but it applies to, like, this cottager mindset, too, of... Um, a people who just don't like they are so constrained by like the capitalist system that we live under and so unfree and not free and like to a lesser extent here because we're talking about you know the petty bourgeois and a country that has like healthcare and stuff so th- there's an amount of freedoms that canadians have that americans don't oh, yeah. uh but still it's just like freedom not as like tangible things but as an identity, like, oh, mm-hmm. I am free. So anything like that, I w- I'm no longer able to do that I was allowed to do before, that's infringing on who I am as yeah. a person. And once it's personal like that, there's no reasoning, no, like no amount of logic or statistics or just compassion for another person will stop you from being like, no, no, no you're trying to rob me of who I am. Yeah, and like I cannot abide by that. House flippers, this time it's personal. Yeah, I was going to say, Ladies, gents, and everyone out there, um, freedom isn't a personality trait. Yeah. That's no, my hot take today. Mm. Nothing's a personality trait. Go fuck yourself, Jason <laughs> Nice. Yeah, uh, get rid of your personality. Uh, join the Borg. Ego uh, death, yeah. baby. Ego death, ego death. Rambo, right. second home. <laughs> <laughs> you want a fucking war? I'll give you a fucking war! <laughs> Uh, so I want to move away from COVID because it's depressing and I have other research on cottager stuff that could be funnier or okay. more lighthearted, but some of it is also interesting, I think. Uh, so one more funny stat about like demographics for cottagers. I was reading through like a real estate thing by like Remax or something, and they list stats about the cottagers in each area and they list like very specific stats. Like it's a full display of all these people. So then they're like, this percent of the cottagers are immigrants. And that one was like, bolded and had a picture and then there was like they also listed the marital status of the other cottagers so well, that's for anyway. swingers yeah i was like literally what are the it was like do they have kids are they an immigrant are they married how much money do they make and it was like okay weird i'm glad you all want to know this about each other but also just so we know how expensive some of the stuff is the average price for a lakefront cottage Anywhere in Canada ranges, or sorry, anywhere in Ontario ranges from two hundred thirty thousand to nine hundred thousand dollars for averages. That's a second so it's, home. It's, yeah. yeah, it's like a literal. You're buying a second house. Like I'm sure there's some cute cabiny like ones that are pretty cheap, but on a lakefront, like with an actual like drywall insulation kind of thing, is going to be like the price of a house essentially. So obviously the most expensive ones are like in Muskoka and things. And the two hundred thirty thousand dollar one was like in Sudbury, and there's no really other prices like that. So it's basically they're all like four hundred to nine hundred thousand. 
and then there's Sudbury. Uh, so then I thought a funny thing to look at for today, which is actually one of Frankie's ideas, was to look at cottagers' rights associations and the disputes they've been in in the past, which you're right, it is funny. Anything that's like a cottagers' rights association just makes me laugh in general because it's like, okay, bud. But um, a big part of what cottagers' owners is owners associations have been involved with have been like disputes with indigenous peoples in the area that's like almost all of them um so a big one is that so there's apparently about three thousand cottages in ontario that are on reserve land and are leased from the reserve there's like three hundred thousand cottages in ontario or something so like this is a pretty small amount but still three three thousand cottages is like a (laughs) decent amount and the way it was working and is working for some First Nations still is that this is all done through the federal government. So it's really strange. So basically, like the federal government gets to decide which parts of the land are like going to be leased out to the cottagers and then the cottagers pay through the federal government and then the First Nation has to like apply for the funding back even though it's like their land technically and their money technically so that's rough but um there was one example they've moved towards this thing the framework agreement on first nation land management which they made in the 90s and so it like allows first nations to basically get the money directly and like deal with the cottagers directly Mm -hmm. and it's a wider framework that allows like a lot of different things and there is critiques of it but i wanted to like focus on that because there was this uh georgina island first nation which is on lake simcoe which is i have a friend that has a cottage there and it's very bougie and so the whole area is like fancy and these cottages are leased from the reserve and the septic tanks that the cottagers had weren't real septic tanks they would just like put barrels in the ground and like sometimes when they were full they would just like cut them open and they would leach into the water and that was where everyone not even just the first nation but all the cottagers drinking water and everything was coming from too and they couldn't the first nation couldn't tell them directly to stop because they had to go through the federal government and the federal government was not doing anything about it so anyway that's why they said in this article that they switched over to the framework agreement but i was like oh my god that's insane uh and it's happened a lot too where first nations will decide like they don't want to lease to cottagers anymore which is totally fair like that's a lot of good land i'm assuming and they will like revoke the leases or just like raise the prices a lot so that the people move and then basically there's like in the cases where this has happened the cottagers associations have been in court with them for like 20 years and stuff like yeah. that so it's crazy oh yeah rough stuff but that's a pretty small number of cottages at least but then i found a really cool article called decolonizing cottage country and it was talked it talked about how indigenous peoples are excluded from the depictions of what cottage country is Mm. even though it is like mainly the areas in which indigenous peoples live. Well, that's live not true. I've Ontario. seen some pretty cool cartoons. No, and then, <laughs> so then what they argued was if they are there, it's like a general, like, Indianness, like, it'll be, like, totem poles and stuff, which are, like, a West Coast, like, First Nations thing, and mm-hmm. it'll just, like, be, like, these random, like, you know how, like, summer camps are all, like, we're going to have, <laughs> yeah. like, Indian Day or it's, whatever, uh, and, like, paint their faces, is yeah, rough yeah. stuff like it's, that. It's uh, pan-Indianism. Is yeah. what it's yeah. called. No, mm. just to sort of raise morale during quarantine, we've been doing that every day at our apartment, uh, just in the morning. Oh, have you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I no. I was hoping someone would laugh while I Let's, said it. <laughs> no, Dean, please tell Dean, us what your morning I know routine your third is like. Housemate would never allow that. That's true. Let me. Uh, she she li- could and would literally kick your ass. Yeah. No, let's let's hear about it, Dean. What do you do on the daily in order to commemorate Indigenous people and? In <laughs> 
Well, yeah, um, let's see. You wake up. I I wake up. I um. You're sweating, my lad. I don't know what's going on. I enjoy uh, a couple sports games by my favorite Cleveland teams. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) He turns on his Atari 2600. I eat one stick of Land of Lakes. Yeah. Uh, I guess I don't do it anymore, but I used to. He turns on the Atari and he plays Custer's Revenge. (laughs) Yeah. Custer's Revenge is a classic. But he makes sure to kill Custer so that he's like, I'm taking it back. Yeah, I just purposely lose. Yeah, he (laughs) he just runs into a cactus and gets his dick all spiky. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like, um, I think it's interesting that uh, people... Were, were people upset about uh, the septic tank system? So like, were the cottagers upset, or were they the didn't people really in the area upset? follow up on the septic story that much, but what they did follow up on is that, like, they gave a lot of positive examples of relationships between cottagers and the First Nations that own the cottage. Like, there are a lot of examples where it's working well, especially, like, once they sign the framework agreement and can deal directly. Like, both sides were kind of like, yeah, this works way better. Like, the federal government obviously is not good at managing land and uh, doesn't give a fuck about <laughs> what happens. And both of them, like, don't want this, like, insane bureaucracy. So they were like, yeah, this is cool. And now there's a bunch of cool examples. But... The one I really want to talk about is something that Dean and I focused a lot on when we were in fourth year. We wrote a bunch of essays on it just because it's, like, happening in the Kingston area, kind of, and it has to do with the cottagers. I don't know if you guys are familiar with wild rice. So the the word I know it by is, like, monomen, which was, like, what I was using in the essays I was writing about. So I'm going to say it because it's shorter than wild rice and it's cool. But anyway, so they were – there was, like – Monoman in the lake system in Ontario, there's like, it's still in a bunch of lakes, but it was specifically in the area that the Trent Severn Waterway is now. And then when they built the Trent Severn Waterway, they flooded out all of the Monoman. Um, so it's Pigeon Lake is the main lake that this like battle has been going on essentially. So this guy, James Watung from Curve Lake First Nation has been reseeding uh, Pigeon Lake with Monoman, uh, which is really cool. It's like a really good food staple. It's really healthy. It's, I don't know. Anyway, it's a cool crop, but the cottagers are really mad because it clogs boat like <laughs> rudders. So <That's> so <laughs> fucking dumb. I know. And like, I don't care. <laughs> I want to go fast. I want to go fast in my boat. If, no. if anything, I I want to plant more rice. Yeah. 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 We do not love our beloved boaters. No. And also, I'm torn. I'm torn. So, the rice is obviously really good for a lake. The lake, it's like a native, like, staple to the lake, and it helps keep the water clean and, like, feeds the fish and shit. It's good. But anyway, so the cottagers created this group called Save Pigeon Lake, um, and they've been, like, fighting for quite a few years now and they eventually got like a permit in to like dredge the lake but then like James Watung and his allies like sat in front of it and like wouldn't let the dredger pass and then complained about it and then so the dredger had to like stop eventually because they hadn't consulted the First Nation at all which is like friggin owns part of the lake so it was so far fine but then I was watching these videos last year of these like insane town hall meetings where it was like members of Curve Lake First Nation and the cottagers. And it was like the cottagers were saying like, this is like the worst thing that could ever happen to me in my life. Like we need to bring the military in. (laughs) It was fucked. Like they were so mad. I was going to say that. Oh my God, of course. God. And they were like, it's harder to swim now. Like, you can't plant it close to shore. It's I don't fine. give a fuck. Yeah, and it was like, <laughs> it's fine if you plant in, like, one little part of the lake. Oh, but, like, the lake's now. so ugly now. And, like, it yeah. can't Who boat. Who cares? 
Yeah, so anyway. Oh my god, sorry, I get so heated about this. <laughs> yeah, 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 like, no, I, yeah. I, I want to break into these people's houses and put like wild rice in their beds <laughs> while they sleep. <laughs> Recreate the jello prank, but with wild <laughs> rice. Uh, what? Sorry, what, his name is James. James with tongue. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, for whatever he reason. He sells it if you want to buy some and support him as black is oh, wild yeah. rice. Yeah. Uh, actually, if you. I'll send you a note. Just maybe include that in like the description. We yeah. can we can definitely promote that. I was just gonna say mm-hmm. if he's really listening. Find an online store. I think he sells at farmers markets. But that's probably fair. even better. Yeah. But James, if you're listening and you need soldiers for your pigeon like defense force, <laughs> please. <laughs> I would literally love to do oh, yeah. cause. Oh yeah. I'll I'll show up. I'll burn these white scum houses down. Like I don't give a <laughs> shit. Parody. This is a parody. Could you imagine? <laughs> could you imagine? You're like you're 55 years old. You know, your your wife calls you like hubby. Yeah, you're you're going up to the cottage, and the first thing you see when you get there is just two like massive men. One incre- one incredibly bald and just like full of body hair, and the other one with like lovely hair and a ponytail. And we're, we're naked. We are completely nude, and we're just standing in the middle of the road. And like us, it'll be like us. Yeah, yeah and, and like we're holding hands, and we're we're tethered, and we're not going to let you get through. And we're just standing there, no, we're not saying anything. You. He's got his spear that he uses to spearfish. I've got uh, my yoga mat, I guess, that I use to do my proper uh, ritual, which is trying to stretch so I can suck my own dick. Right. Yeah. And we're standing there, and we're steadfast, and we open our mouths, and just an insane amount of wild rice falls in. <laughs> <laughs> no, folks, I bet you're wondering. Sounds like, sounds like the new adaptation of, like, Indian Silent Hill. <laughs> Now that's an episode. I I bet you're wondering. So, folks, I bet I bet you're wondering. Now, where's Dean in all of this? Why isn't he helping protect Pigeon Lake? Well, tell you where I am. I'm actually hiding within the wild rice uh, (laughs) in the lake. I am breathing uh, through a little reed. Uh, as as the ninjas did uh, back in uh, Glorious Nippon. They do the Empire of uh, the Caribbean too, I think. <laughs> nice. That's, <laughs> that's, that's what he was referencing. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah. Um, and if any boat engines come anywhere near me, uh, I'm just I'm going to wrap myself around the propeller <laughs> yeah, to protect the rice. Sacrifices. No, protect the p- propeller. Yeah, we don't want to lose any rice. We cannot lose a single grain of rice. To I lose a single joking. grain of rice, Megan, would be yeah. to die a thousand deaths. Yeah, I'm not having it. But I want to say, like, a lot of what I read was hoping that there would be a way forward for the two groups to reconcile. For example, as I mentioned earlier, the Minoman is really good for fish keeps the lake healthy so you could be like cottagers you like fishing what a great compromise we both love rice and fishing and i want to say it's not all been super horrible relations between cottagers and first nations in terms of wild rice i one of my professors and he teaches at queens bob lovelace um is part of ardoc first nation or ardoc algonquin first nation and he in the 80s was they were trying to stop a commercial project of like taking the wild rice it was basically they had this huge machine in the water and they were getting it all to sell it but the problem is like when you harvest it like that no none of the seeds fall back into the water so it doesn't like regrow Mm. you just kill it all after one season and the cottagers actually helped the first nation stop the project because the cottagers like owned enough of the the access road for boats that they could say like this is my property like you can't come on so then they stopped it together which i think is kind of wholesome so i want to say that not in not every case cottagers have been like extremely evil but in this case like they're being bitches hashtag not all cottagers yeah that's 
that's the message I'm sending out I, today. I have been to two cottages in my life. One was owned by my aunt and uncle, and I swear they bought it for like 30 bucks because it's like landlocked in the middle of Prince Edward County. There's like, <laughs> yeah. there's like no water for like four or five kilometers, which I don't oh. even know how you do that in that part of <laughs> the province. Yeah, that's hard to do. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> they looked at a map and they were like, here. And it, and it was like, it was great. It was just like this shitty like three room cottage. When we went up, my parents, we just, like, stayed in a motor home because there wasn't room for us inside their cottage if anybody else was there. And the other one was my friend Parker, uh, his cottage. And this is just completely uh, random, but I swear once when we went to use the outhouse, there was a black widow spider there. And I'm not sure if that's true, but Scary. I, I'm pretty sure it was. Like, it was far enough north where I was like, yeah, this could be a real possibility. So, uh... Me, honestly, fuck cottages. Fuck them. I don't care. The one time I tried to go to one, I, my car exploded. And That's I got, right. And I melted my brain with uh <laughs> Oh, yeah, I was going to say, substances. I thought you had been to mine, but you didn't. You no. died on the way there. Yes, instead. that's right. I, and really, I died many, many times that night. Yeah. So I watched him go through uh, <laughs> As again, he stayed in a motel in whatever town that uh, was. It was the lovely town of Port Hope. Thank you. Nope. No, it wasn't. It was Coburg. 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 Yeah. They're right next to each other. Oh, classic Coburg. They are yes. literally nine yeah. kilometers apart. What's yeah. next on the docket? Um, that was my main thing. I have another uh, happy story, which is one sentence. But yeah, well, I don't want to hear that. A <laughs> case of uh, a like a mine wanted to look for uranium in uh, a cottage township, and both the cottagers and the First Nation were like, "No." Wow. So anyway, that's, <laughs> that's sick. Again, yeah. how you can work together because cottagers are rich and white, so the government and uh, <laughs> companies listen to them. Have to listen to them. So if you get on the same side, then it can be great. But when you're not on the same side, that's when it's really rough because then they scream and they yell and they get a lot of lawyers. So yeah, that's that's very true. What are your final words then, Megan? What what do you have? What's your prescription to the cottagers? Um, I don't I don't even know because I feel like it's just. Every rich white person in Canada is this. So on one, like, is a cottager. So you can say, like, that's fucked because rich white people in Canada are pretty much fucked. Um, and they do bad things. Yes, they do. And rich people in general. Thanks. Uh, so the whole, you can, like, laugh at the whole, like, culture of it, I feel like. The whole, like, cottage life. And, like, I was going through CBC and the Globe and stuff. And they all have, like, make your own, like, DIY, like, can opener for the cottage season. And it's, like, all these, like, cutesy things. But then... When you look under all the cutesy things, it's like, well, this is indigenous land and you're being a bitch uh, for a lot of the time. But also, I don't want to be like everyone that owns a cottage is evil because like myself and other people. And there are cheap cottages and there are like, I feel like ways to coexist in a nice way in rural towns and like try and be part of the community and say like, yeah, we make up lots of this tax base and like, I want to make this community good and like not fuck them over by giving them COVID or like fucking taking their crops away and shit, you know? Mm. Yeah. 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 Definitely the, the coexisting part. I, I think, I think it's a possibility. We just got to hope that people are smart enough to let that sink in. Mm. Um, my prescription for cottagers, especially in this time, uh, would be like the, the cottage. Why do you go to the cottage? Cause you want to own a little bit of the wilderness, right? You, you want a little bit of the wilderness to be part of you. And I get that. That's a that's a natural impulse to want mm-hmm. to be closer and to, to nature. And to want to get away from the city. Like, yes. it, it's a dumb sentence, but, like, people kind of need that, you know? Yeah, you like, need that. city sucks. My recommendation, rather than trying to own part of nature, let nature own you entirely. Mm. Uh, Are you going to say kill yourself? No, go into the woods. Uh, you know, just eat handfuls of soil. Yeah. Uh, commune with the green man. Yeah. Uh, find a deer attempt to make love to it get sodomized uh, by a tree yeah 
country boys make do. Country boys make do. Try to swim to the bottom of the lake. Make contact with an undiscovered tribe. Yeah. Okay, now. Yeah. Let, let, We're in let, the Amazon now. Let them skin you alive. Yeah. 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 That, would actually, that would actually be... If you're a cottager and you take away one thing from this episode, it's that I want you to recreate the green inferno in real life. Yeah. You know if, what? If you are a cottager, please get cannibal holocausted. <laughs> Less... <laughs> yeah, that, that's bad. No, that's a, no I like that's that. That's a that sick-ass movie. Yeah, I love that movie. I like the part where they killed the turtle. Um, <laughs> oh, that's sad. Turtles are endangered. Yeah, yeah they just because slaughtered of that, movie. that They did, thing. like, 300 takes. <laughs> yeah, was, we asked oh, to stop. That's the making me actually sad. are really good. <laughs> yeah, they were like, it was actually going to originally be called Turtle Holocaust, but <laughs> They had a tone that What's one. What's wild is the source material, the Franklin books, don't have any of that yeah, in them at all. Yeah, they just really went on a tangent. It's like c- directors love killing turtles as much as cops love killing dogs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I uh, I think uh, you know if you really want to take your time and go out into the country or whatever and get away from it all, join like a really shitty church that still does mission trips. Oh god. oh god! Go on a, go on a mission trip. Uh, one of the most depressing. How did things. you figure out something more? <laughs> one, of the, one of the worst things a person said to me while I was doing my undergraduate here is like, "Yeah, I want to get my education degree and then become a missionary." Oh my god! Oh god! I was like, like, "Yeah, I'll fuck you right here and now." And like thinking because that person is now doing that, they are a missionary. And thinking about that, I'm just like, "Oh god, that's a that's depressing. That's a real shame. That that's is depressing. A, why do that with your life?" Like, if you're going to be a missionary, there's, like, literally seven or eight million better career paths for you. Yeah. Such as Twitch streamer. <laughs> yeah, such as, such a as normal thought. pastor or minister or something or you, it, in uh, your own place. Or be, like, the minister from True Detective Season 1. Run a yeah. church that is uh, a shrine to the Yellow King. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, is, that is a better thing to do. Like, slightly better than missionary work. <laughs> Come to terms with the fact that you're repressing gay tendencies. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to just, we should probably shout out our sponsor for this episode. Uh, thank you to the Yellow King. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, right. Again, for giving Gilgamesh. us. Gilgamesh. Yeah. Anyway, I, I do want to say, you know, the guy I talked about earlier that said his rights was being taken away and he's like an editor. Yes. Uh, I went to his Wikipedia page and he definitely wrote it himself. It has like, he loves his two daughters born oh, this yeah. year and this year. It has like, the score of his high school football game in it like it has oh a lot of God. spelling errors so it's sad really good. <laughs> anyway all right let's I, well let's just wait in two years er, sorry in two weeks time jesse will hopefully be able to give him an entry on conservapedia yes the yeah, the sure. long road to verification oh, and he begins was brian mulrooney's uh speechwriter <laughs> oh. nice <laughs> yeah that explains the typos yeah <laughs> you want to give us a sign off megan um, thank you for, uh, for yeah. guiding us for, for sticking through it. Um, even though I'm a little scatterbrained sometimes, this was fun. So thanks for listening. This has been the Late Late Capitalism Show with your hosts, Chance, Jesse, Dean, and this week, guiding us through everything was Megan. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you have a great day, night, whatever your cycle sells. Yeah. <laughs>